What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts for today, Simon Voyanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And I'm the other host for this episode, Cody Stoffer. And this is episode 212, and it's your 2022 2A Colorado High School Football End of the Year Award Show here. On this episode, we're going to talk about your candidates or your final four for Newcomer of the Year, which goes to the best freshman um, players who got to play on varsity and their whole uh, performance there throughout the year. Then we've got Defensive Playmaker of the Year, Offensive Playmaker of the Year, MVP, and then we'll also talk a little bit of All Playmaker here at the end. But basically how this thing works is that there are five total votes uh, for each of these awards. Myself, I got a vote. Cody has a vote. Um, Our intern Gideon has a vote as well. He's a little sick, so we'll be reading out some of his descriptions here. And then one of our guys, Anthony Garcia of Mile High Prep Report, Go ahead and check out his stuff, his website. He does a lot for small town football, small town sports here. Um, His link should be in our bio, in our link tree. And so uh, uh, those are the five voters and whatnot. And on top of, sorry, four voters. And then you, the people, uh, the popular vote will count as the fifth voter here. And then just so that y'all know if there's any ties and whatnot, uh, I believe the tiebreaker goes to whoever has the popular vote, um, the Twitter vote, if it comes down to it. Isn't that right, Cody? Am I missing anything here? Nope, that all sounds good to me. And, uh, you know, I'd say that the basis, just as like a little refresher for these candidates and for consideration, you know, it's a combination of what do they look like in person, you know, for us who've gotten to see some of these players in person. What do they look like on film? you know, eye test kind of stuff, as well as, you know, like statistically, how well did they do and team success uh, are all definitely a part of consideration here. Yes, absolutely. Um, There's a lot that goes into these, but without further ado, let's go ahead and get started here. Let's talk about our newcomer of the year candidates. Once again, this goes to phenomenal freshmen who have started on varsity and got to contribute quite a bit. And this year's a little bit special because we did have two programs in Wellington and Timnath who fielded a varsity team for the first time this year year this season and so any of the players from those squads we are counting for newcomer of the year and so i believe we do have a couple of those guys here but uh let me go ahead and get this thing started and talk about one of those guys from timnith and that is vince hawk halter here uh, gideon got to watch him play a number of times and he is an excellent player for them on the year, he had 472, I believe that's rushing yards. Uh, at least that's what I'm just going to go ahead and assume here. 82 tackles, 10 tackles for loss of sack, 3 hurries, 2 interceptions. Uh, and that's on the year here, starting with this new program over at Timnith. And shout out to them. Uh, like I said, Gideon was able to go to a number of their games and talk with him quite a bit here. Uh, so there you go. That's Vince Hawkhalter, one of the better players for this new program. But uh, Cody, do you want to talk about another newcomer of the year candidate here? Yeah, I'm actually going to talk about, you know, we're going to go the opposite direction a little bit. We're going to go to Pagosa Springs here and talk about Colton Lucero. Look, Pagosa Springs as a program here has has been on 
you know, th they're on that verge here. And I think that Colton Lucero being a part of the future here for the Pirates is going to be integral to turning this program around. As a freshman, you know, he played eight games and he ran for 405 yards, averaging six yards per carry and rushing for five touchdowns here, while also on the defensive side of the ball, playing both ways, having 36 tackles, three of those going for loss here. So, you know, just having a really well-balanced performance and somebody who I think can grow into a very solid leader here and just continue to develop with this program here. Not necessarily a new program like some of our other candidates here, but still an impressive debut from Colton Lucero nonetheless. There you go. And I'll talk about another candidate here from Wellington, one of the other programs that began this year that fielded a varsity team this year. And it's their quarterback, the freshman Tanner Gray. On the year, he threw for 461 yards, had six touchdowns to seven picks, you know, did his thing there. But he really did a lot of damage on the ground here on 84 carries, had 636 rushing yards. That's 7.6 yards of carry and four rushing touchdowns. On top of that, I believe he also played defense as well, where he racked up 28 tackles and recovered a fumble. But one of the leaders for this very young Wellington team, and, you know, it's never an easy thing to play quarterback as a freshman and start on varsity and all that nonetheless for a newer program where you know some of that culture and you know the players haven't played for together as long on varsity but tanner did it and he's only gonna get better from here yeah shout out to both those new programs and uh the newcomer of the year candidates of those programs and i'm gonna bounce it back again once once more with a program that's not necessarily old here or not necessarily brand new here but uh you know this wide receiver this freshman five foot eight 130 pounds out of arvada high school jariah ariano here had himself a very strong season here being not only i believe the leading receiver in 2a amongst freshmen but one of the leading receivers in the entire state itself collecting 30 receptions over his collection of games here as well as 605 yards and six touchdowns including an absurd five reception 197 yard five touchdown performance against the defending state runner-ups brush here now they did not win that game unfortunately but still what an absolutely dominant performance here and you know on the season getting all those touchdowns as well as a conversion against university he had he was responsible for 32 total points and you know all of those being through the air it's really hard honestly as a receiver to break into the rotation in the first place as a freshman but especially one who is not you know like a six foot three 200 pound receiver jariah here 5832 pounds but boy does he catch the ball and boy does he get upfield as well and that's why he's one of our newcomer of the year candidates boom there you go those are your candidates let's go ahead and get to the voting and start with anthony garcia from mile high prep report uh like i said go ahead and check out his stuff uh link in our bio in our link tree here but he went ahead and casted his vote for the freshman quarterback out of wellington and that is tanner gray so there you go tanner gray is on the board now cody do you want to talk about our twitter polls and what happened there absolutely so 
the thing with our Twitter polls. First off, thank you all for showing out. This is one of the biggest polls we've ever had. It might even be the biggest one. I'd have to look at last year's, but with 1,111 total votes, this is easily the most popular poll that we've had in all of 2A. So thank you all for tuning into Twitter and make sure to follow us while you're voting on these polls at Playmaker Corner. But for this vote here, we had in ascending order, Tanner Gray had 19% of the vote, which was Anthony's vote. 20% of the vote went to Colton Lucero. 21% of the vote went to Jariah Ariano. And 40% of the vote went to Vince here with the fan award of play of newcomer of the year. So congratulations to Vince on winning the fan vote. You know, to me, I definitely kind of view this as like, yeah, the fan vote is one of our five votes. But it's also the vote that, you know, that means the most to those who do listen to our show. And so I think that it's an award in and of itself to be the recipient of the fan vote here. So congratulations to Vince on being voted the 2A Newcomer of the Year, according to the fans. And Simon, while I got this here, I am going to talk about the guy who came in second place. And I'm going to place my vote here with Jariah Ariano here. Like I said, well, okay, you know me, I played receiver here, so I always have a little bit of that bias going for me, but especially for, you know, this Arvada team that I thought was going to honestly be way worse than they were this year. The fact that they were able to go five and four, I think is a huge testament to the things that Jariah was able to do for this team and just his presence on the field made him a threat and he gave them lots of short fields. I mean, you look at his longs in these games I mean, Prospect Ridge Academy with a long of 27 is one of the shorter ones here. In Inglewood, he had a long of 50 against Middle Park, a long of 79 against Brush, a long of 80. Not really a factor in that Timnith game, but against University, a long of 40, and against Sterling, a long of 24. So his ability to produce these really big plays in the opportunities and with a very low volume of touches, honestly, is just super impressive to me, and I think that he's going to have a very bright future and probably be an all-playmaker team kind of guy in the future. Yes, absolutely agreed. Uh, very well deserving of your vote here. And so, as it stands right now, that's a vote for three different candidates. I'm going to go ahead and read off what Gideon had to say about his Newcomer of the Year vote, but this is what he had to say. He said, for Newcomer of the Year, I am going to go... With the Wildebeest, that is Vince Hawkalter. Hawkalter played for Timnith, who despite going winless this season, showed a lot of potential. He got injured in the final three and a half games, had more rushing yards than any other newcomer, and had a better tackle uh, a game average than everyone into a not named Miller or Sneller. If he had kept on that pace, he would have had roughly around 122 tackles at the end of the year. He still ended 17th despite not playing those three and a half games. The future is bright in Timnith and Hawkhalter is a big reason why. So there you go. That is two votes. The fan vote and our guy Gideon's vote for Vince Hawkhalter. And I'm going to go ahead and make it three votes for Vince Hawkhalter here. Look, you know, when you have a new program... Uh, at least this is from our perspective. When there's a new program that comes up, we're looking for guys who are going to be leaders, who are going to step up, you know, on and off the field here. And Vince definitely stepped up 
on the field and he looks to be a big time cornerstone uh, piece for this Timnath squad by the way I believe he is a sophomore but like I said we are accepting uh, you know players from new programs and whatnot and treating them as newcomer of the year candidates and Vince Hawkalter is your 2022 2A Colorado High School Football Newcomer of the Year candidate uh, being able to get it done on both sides of the ball as well and if this is the floor then his ceiling will be insane Cody what do you think about that well I definitely think that the numbers are there I think that the eye test is definitely there too um, and I do <laughs> the thing that I'm going to mention is these are brand new programs right so there is a lot of, there's even a little bit of controversy around this one. And it makes me a little excited. It kind of reminds me of like, maybe not to the same extent, but like the Ben Simmons. Oh, he's not literally a freshman, but it is his first year playing football um, for a first year program. That's a little bit different because it's not like, you know, I'd say that the reason that we don't normally do a player's first time playing is because you have a, you have a chance to climb the depth chart. You know what I mean? Um as a freshman in other programs so it's not like the whereas this year where it's like everyone's first year playing high school football was this year and so i think that vince is a great vote honestly and a deserving recipient of newcomer of the year as i said my my stance definitely comes from you know the offensive wide receiver background but the things he was able to accomplish and you know the projection that he was on like Gideon was talk about is talking about is just absolutely absurd and I think that you know the fact that this is only the beginning should put the rest of 2A on notice as I think Timnith is really gonna start figuring things out next year and I wouldn't be surprised if they came back very strong like winning record level strong in 2A next year yes no absolutely so there you go there. I, I am going to put this out there. We do have a freshman as one of our end of the year candidates um, here, which will you will listen uh, later on in this episode. But just the way we do things here, look, it's one award per player. We don't want like, you know, one player to sweep all three or four, because then what's the point of recording an hour long episode if that's what it comes down to? Uh, and top, and on top of that, we want to highlight other dudes, you know, who've been uh, taking care of business out here as well, right, Cody? Absolutely. I mean, there's op opportunity is what we're kind of all about for sure. Um, so I I think that whenever we have the chance to cover people in multiple categories. Um, you know, it's one of those things where we just got to go with the chance for other people to win an award or be in the conversation. Because, I mean, look, we talk about 16 guys here. The graphics that Gideon have made that look so incredible, by the way. Shout out to Gideon on those graphics that you can see on our social medias. So go ahead and find us on there. Um, you know, we have a chance to shout out some honorable mention kind of guys and just getting names out there is what we've always been about. And I think that it's no different when we come to end of the year awards. Yes, absolutely. Um, but with that being said, Cody, do you mind if I also do defensive playmaker of the year here or introduce that? I guess. Alrighty. So let's go ahead and talk defensive playmaker of the year. Uh, 
Jesus, this <laughs> this one was pretty tough. I mean, it's only going to get tougher from here on out. But pretty self-explanatory. Go to the best defensive playmaker uh, on the varsity level here. And so we have a couple. And I'm going to start with one of my guys here, Morgan Trebet out of Eden. The senior, the Nevada commit. I believe he might be the only D1 commit on the 2A level for football, that is. Uh, on this level so there you go there and he's the real deal I mean this kid I've known him since his freshman year and he's been an absolute beast for Eden which is known to have a plenty of great athletes and so for him to stand out as is since his freshman year is saying a lot but this year was no different and he finally got healthy this year and got to work after kind of a tough junior year but on the season had 76 tackles 24 tackles for loss that is Jesus, that's like almost a third of his tackles, so there you go. Six sacks, three fumble recoveries, and all that great stuff. And then he also played on offense as well at running back, fullback, uh, tight end, wherever Eden needed them, and so uh, needed him. And so he really did his thing on both sides of the ball, but is definitely a defensive playmaker of the year candidate, kind of being the anchor for this Eden defense, they really work around him and Ryder True, I would say, the two seniors on this squad. So there you go. Morgan Trebet is your first defensive playmaker of the year candidate. Cody, do you want to talk about another candidate here? Absolutely. And, you know, you just talked about a playmaker from the two seed here in the 2A playoffs. I'm going to talk about one of the best players on the number one seed at this moment in time in the 2A playoffs, and that's Connor Workman, and he puts in work, man, is, is the easy way to go about this. I remember seeing him live against the academy and just thinking, wow, that guy has been in the backfield quite a bit. Wow, he's been in the backfield at least three or four times making tackles for loss. Wow, he's constantly causing pressure. Wow, he's collecting multiple sacks. And for me to be able to recognize just like the impact that a defensive player has on such a stalwart defense, nonetheless, really speaks volumes to just how important Connor Workman is to this Delta squad and their success so far this season. I mean, look, 90 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, 8 sacks, all of those, I'm pretty sure being as far as tackles for loss and sacks go being like top five and then i'm pretty sure he's top 10 in the tackles he's just a very versatile defender he's really hard to catch when he gets a head full of steam off the edge and he has a couple of different moves as well you know he can rip inside he can beat you with a speed rush he has a decent swim move so i think that not only as like a 2a defender but connor workman is one of the best defensive playmakers in the entire state of any classification and that's why he's one of our candidates for defensive playmaker of the year here connor workman out of delta simon uh back to you yes uh absolutely if i'm just gonna say it right here if delta wins state He's going to be a big part of that squad, absolutely. Whether uh, they win it with him or without him, he's a big part of why they're there right now here in the playoffs. So just keep that in mind. But moving on here, uh, I'm going to talk about a player who unfortunately played on a team that did not make the playoffs. Had a tough season, but he had a great season. And he was actually on our radar before. I believe he made our safety watch list, but that is the safety out of Lamar. Brendan Sneller on the season, 129 tackles, 6 interceptions, 3 pass deflections. I believe that's 2 fumble recoveries as well. Not only is he up there in tackles, he might be top 3 or top 2 
in tackles. Actually, I think he's number one. Yeah, he's sorry. He's number one in tackles. And then in interceptions, he's top three or so there. I mean, he is an absolute beast. It's a shame that, you know, Lamar couldn't get into the playoffs and make a deep run here. But, you know, we knew what he was about before the season. And he performed. And he lived up to expectations. And he's definitely somebody who, I'm just going to say right now, made our all-playmaker team uh, for this season. And so that's Brendan Sneller out of Lamar. Now, Cody, do you want to talk about the last defensive playmaker of the year candidate here? Yeah, this is another player that, um, you know, we got to see, obviously, uh, a couple of times here. And that's Corbin Miller of the Academy and speaking of being amongst the leaders in tackles, what was he number two, I want to say? Well, he was. Not, yeah, he was number two, and that was with 122 tackles. Look, once you're in the 120s, that is really elite company, but he's such a versatile defender as well. 34 tackles for loss, five sacks, a pass deflection, and multiple fumbles forced as well as recovered and scoring off of you know what i mean look corbin miller it corbin miller is to this academy defense what a player that we're going to be talking about in the future was to the offense here and you know their ability to get the five seed was in huge part thanks to his performance here and i mean just the way that he moves about the field and the his instincts are something else to be honest and yeah just like i said multiple caused fumbles recovering fumbles breaking up passes and also being a contributor on special teams is all very very important and a uh, huge reason why he is here on our defensive playmaker of the year conversation and uh coach v you mind if i jump in here with the passing back to you on anthony's pick a little bit of a curveball there yeah, sure, I'll I'll do it. Uh, all right, so Anthony Garcia, he would go ahead and cast his vote for Morgan Trebet here out of Eden. Um, obviously, Eden, they've had a dominant defense for the last three years, not just this year, but the last three years, and Morgan Trebet has been a big part of that. So there you go. That is one vote for Morgan Trebet. Cody, do you want to talk about the Twitter vote here, the fan vote? Absolutely. So with the fan vote here, uh, this one had 566 votes, which is still really good turnout. Uh, in the future, just go ahead and pay attention to those polls. They open up on Twitter on Fridays, and they run until Tuesday in the morning. So they actually wrapped up today, the day of that we're reading this. And in ascending order from bottom to top, we had Morgan Trebet collect 17% of the vote. We had 18% of the vote go to Corbin Miller. 25% of the vote go to Connor Workman. But the one snagging the fan vote here much like he snagged a handful of passes this year is brendan sneller of lamar as mentioned by simon absolutely massive year here six interceptions three pass deflections and a bunch of tackles here nothing gets past him and that includes the attention of the fans here who filed up and okay i just want to put this out there i try my best to tag you if you're on twitter and if you're easy to find or your school or your community i try and do whatever i possibly can to make sure as many people can see it as possible and brendan sneller won this without being tagged on twitter and lamar not being tagged on twitter which you know i think that just shows how impressive people how impressed people were 
by his performances, you know, so far this season and everything he was able to accomplish for the Thunder and uh, what he means to to a football as a player alone. Yes, I mean, he put up great numbers and I think people knew about him before the season as well. Like I said, we put him on our watch list and obviously other teams have played him. And so, I mean, his reputation kind of preceded him there. So there you go there. But let me go ahead and talk about Gideon's defensive playmaker of the year vote. He said, for my 2A depoy, uh, I am going to go with Corbin Miller out of the academy Chabet, Sneller, and Workman are all good defenders and deserve their props. However, Miller got numbers better than Workman and Chabet and contributed on a better team than Sneller. It's really the dealer's preference here, but I'll go with Miller. So there we go there. That is a vote for Morgan Chabet, Corbin Miller, and Brendan Sneller. Cody, what is your vote for Defensive Playmaker of the Year? Well, <laughs> there's one vote that hasn't been casted yet, or one player who hasn't received a vote, I should say, and that's where my vote is actually going to go. Uh, just to put you in a really tough spot here, Coach V, I'm voting for Connor Workman of Delta. Look, best player on one of the best defenses in the state, regardless of classification, and, you know, a guy that's capable of making plays and getting momentum for this Delta team. He makes life a lot easier on not only the rest of his defense, I think, but a life a lot easier on the rest of his team as well. So that's why I got to go with Connor Workman here and force you to decide who our playmaker of the year is or defensive playmaker of the year is. Well, sounds good. I don't mind the pressure. And so with my vote, and your 2022 2A Defensive Playmaker of the Year, I'm going to go ahead and vote for Eden's Morgan Trebet, the senior defensive end, uh, the Nevada commit. Hey, man, look, this guy, I, I got to watch him play against the Academy this year. That was a league championship game. This guy was getting double teamed, chipped, everything on the edge there, and he's still getting in the backfield. He's still getting tackles for loss. He's still getting pressure on the quarterback. He's still shutting down those outside runs. I mean, he does it all, and look, he is a big part of this Eden team. He has been a big part of this team. It's not easy to be a multi-year starter for Eden, but I'm pretty sure he started for at least three years or has been in the rotation for at least three years, maybe even four since his freshman year. And, you know, this is a guy that has worked super hard. I know about his work ethic, and there's a reason why he's going to Nevada and he's going to play football for them, a D1, you know, and so... I'm just going to throw all of that out there. He's an excellent player on one of the best defenses for, um, well, in Eden history. But, you know, on one of the best defenses in 2A as well. And so there you go. Your 2022 2A Defensive Playmaker of the Year is Morgan Trebet out of Eden. Cody, what do you think about that? I'm not surprised. I think that's the... You shouldn't be surprised. I, I'm not surprised. Um, but, you know, Morgan Trebet, he literally does everything right, okay? Um, whether that's on the field, off the field, in the classroom, on the wrestling mat, you just can't really go wrong with this guy. In the weight room, in the weight room, um, where he's been building a legacy for a long time, as you've informed me. And, you know, I think that this is a fitting 
crown of achievements here for Morgan Trebet, who, by the way, is a lock for our all-playmaker team. So go ahead and stay tuned for those. Well, don't stay tuned, but keep an eye out on social media for those. And, uh, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him and uh, looking forward to hopefully, ideally, you know, you don't, you, we always talk about, you know, like uh, quarterback shootouts and stuff like that. But I think that on the flip side of that, the next like position battle where players aren't on the field at the same time that I find interesting at least is, you know, edge rusher and edge rusher impacting a game and seeing how crazy that could go. And, you know, a Connor Workman and Morgan Trebet uh performance in a championship would be awesome to watch so i'll cross my fingers for that but until then we'll just have to remain patient yes and connor workman was a real close second for me seeing him against the academy as well um which i don't know maybe it's just the academy because i realize i'm watching two of the great two of the best defensive playmakers go up against them but uh i mean he really put in a lot of work against them and uh he was definitely a close second so there you go but all these guys i mean fantastic defensive players we'll just say it they're on our all playmaker team you know we'll talk about it at the end in a little bit more depth but uh there you go i don't think that's too crazy to say though so there you go but uh cody do you want to introduce opoi and talk about that in uh one of the candidates Absolutely. So offensive playmaker of the year, as as the uh, you know name of the award insinuates here, just means one of the players who had the biggest impact on offense. And every single one of our offensive playmaker of the year candidates was on a playoff team. It is, you know, a side of the ball where you can really will your team into a seed here. And I think that there's a very good argument for offensive playmaker of the year for a one Connor Rayburn. This is for the Bennett Tigers, a team that in their first year in 2A just narrowly snuck into the postseason as the number 15 seed. And, you know, Connor Rayburn was a huge part of that. Not only was he an absolute beast running the ball, 183 carries, 1,213 yards, while also having another 89 yards of receiving and a score so you know you have a, a pretty solid performance here um yards wise and whatnot but he had another 1674 well his total yards came out to 1674 when you include kickoff return and interception return yards where you know he had a good season on defense but we're talking offensive playmaker of the year and this guy found ways to get into the end zone 23 rushing touchdowns is the gold star here and it's his golden ticket into this conversation but as i mentioned a receiving touchdown as well and then you know being able to turn special teams into offense is a weapon and it is a talent and connor rayburn did exactly that having three returns for touchdowns as well giving him 27 total touchdowns and i believe outside of quarterbacks that combine for passing and rushing making him the total touchdowns leader for 2a here really impressive and uh coach v if you want to go ahead and talk about another one of our offensive playmaker of the year candidates it's two tailbacks and two quarterbacks so have at it Yes, and I believe he's the total touchdowns leader outside of quarterback, obviously. Uh, in Colorado, Connor Rayburn, Connor Rayburn, that is. So, there you go. At least he's up there, probably top three or so. 
But let me go ahead and talk about another Offensive Playmaker of the Year candidate. I believe he was here last year, and that's Eden's quarterback, Walker Martin. On the year, threw for 1,366 passing yards, 22 touchdowns, only 5 picks, and also ran for 305 rushing yards and 3 rushing touchdowns. Look, this year, he definitely had to take a little bit of a step forward, you know, and I feel like it does reflect in some of these numbers because you gotta remember, these numbers were basically what he threw and ran for before the playoffs started i believe last year this might have been uh where he was at after the full year or something close to that so there you go there and he's had to step up last year uh they did graduate a couple players here you know um well two tailbacks so there you go who were a really big part of those championship teams and so eden you know obviously they do have some guys that could run the ball between trebet true d'angelo rosas who's a great player by the way shout out to him um but you know this year they definitely relied on walker martin to be the engine for this team as i feel like a quarterback should and he performed you know whether it's running the option um throwing a great ball uh stretching out defenses he did his thing and a one for eden when it mattered and produced when it mattered as well so there you go walker martin out of eden uh the arkansas commit but for baseball so yeah but cody do you want to talk about another opoi candidate Absolutely. I'm going to hop over to the other quarterback here out of Devlin High School here or Devlin High School. I've heard it both ways. But uh, anyways, the quarterback, I've only seen one way and that's Austin Bushlack here. Absolute clinic that he put on this year being one of the top passers in all of Colorado. I'm pretty sure he finished. Well, he definitely finished inside the top five in passing yards. And that was with 2,717 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, a QBR of 109, 58% completion percentage, and then also on the ground running for another 320 yards, three rushing touchdowns, and a two-point conversion. So you add all those up, and that is one of the most dynamic players in all of Colorado football here at Devlin High School, and a huge reason why why this squad was able to you know go to the postseason he just has such a really quick release when you watch his film that makes it you know super easy to watch and his ability to also hang in tough and take some really tough hits i mean he gets absolutely blasted sometimes but uh you know hangs in there and completes the pass as well and you know it's made for quite a stellar career as well here for Austin Bushlack, who over the course of his entire career has consistently been an offensive force and, you know, has reached just about 43 total passing touchdowns here. And uh, yeah, 3,000 total yards when you combine the passing and the rushing here. And also, you know, having some pretty insane games, if I wouldn't say so, you know, against Bennett, he threw seven touchdowns. And that win against Bennett, I think, was one of their more important ones as far as gifting them a spot in the postseason here. And, uh, you know, this team came and went with Austin Bushlack's performance, and I think that's what makes him one of the most dynamic playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. He even flirted with 500 yards and threw the ball 57 times in that game, which is absurd. And uh, you want to talk about leaning on a guy to lead your offense. Austin Bushlack encapsulates that very well. 
But Coach V, there's one more guy who has been very important to his own offense, and he's actually kind of near your neck of the woods. Isn't that correct? He is. I've been able to see this kid uh, not grow up, but, you know, as a varsity football player, grow up, develop, get his snaps when he could. This year, he became the guy. And that is Ethan Aragundi, the senior running back out of TCA. The last couple years, obviously, he's been sitting behind Cade Palmer, who's over at Air Force uh, right now. But Ethan Aragundi, I mean, even last year, he got carries, and he showed up, and he did a really good job. This year, he was the guy. He was the bell cow. Uh, he was the engine to this offense, and he performed very well, despite teams obviously keying in on him. But Ethan Aragundi on the year. 1,085 rushing yards, 14 rushing touchdowns. He also played on defense as well, playing both ways. But, you know, he was the engine for this TCA team that was number one in the power rankings and in the state pretty much for, like, almost 10 weeks straight up until the end where they lost to Elizabeth, which was out of characteristic. But regardless, you know, we have another TCA running back in the offensive playmaker of the year conversation. Uh or actually wait, I don't I can't remember if Cade Palmer was Opoy or MVP, but he he was in these. And so regardless, it's another TCA running back up in here. So there you go there. Those are your um 2022 2A Colorado High School football uh offensive playmaker of the year finalist. Let's go ahead and talk picks here. Uh, let me start with Anthony Garcia from Mile High Prep Report. He went ahead and voted for Devlin's Austin Bushlack. Um, like his, I mean, look, top passer in the state, one of the top passers in the state, uh, leader in two-way in passing yards, and I believe passing touchdowns as well. And so there's no surprises there. Cody, do you want to talk about the Twitter vote? Absolutely. So on the Twitter vote here, uh, 335 votes, not our most popular uh, poll here. So if you want to go ahead and change that and make sure your voice is heard in our Twitter polls, please go ahead and check us out and follow us on Twitter at Playmaker Corner and vote for the polls that be coming out on Friday mornings. But on this poll, in ascending order, we had Ethan Aragundi at 7% and Connor Rayburn at 22%. And then this is the closest poll so far between the winner and second place. Battle of the quarterbacks here. But Austin Bushlack just narrowly edges out Walker Martin here. 37 to 34%, giving Austin his second vote of this process. Coach V, what did Gideon have to say about it? So here's what Gideon had to say. He said, uh, 2A Offensive Playmaker of the Year has a lot of options. Uh, Walker Martin, Ethan Eric Gundy, Connor Rayburn deserve their flowers. However, I am going to go with Austin Bushlick. Um, I don't know if it's Bushlack or Bushlick, so sorry if I'm saying that wrong. We just used to just call him Austin. But uh, Austin Bushlack showed that he had it all with his leading Wait. Yeah, with his leading 2A in passing yards and being third in the whole state in that category. He can also run it when needed with over 300 yards and three tutties. I love seeing a mobile quarterback, and as such, Opoy for me is Bushlack. So there you go. That basically wraps up the entire 
Offensive Playmaker of the Year uh, award right here. It's Austin Bushlack because that's three votes, even if myself and Cody voted against him. But, uh, you know, for fun, let's go ahead and uh, just ask Cody, what is your Offensive Playmaker of the Year vote? Yeah, Coach V, we we do run a democracy here, I suppose. So even though uh, you and I invented the show, we will respect the uh, other three votes here and admit that Austin Bushlack is the Offensive Playmaker of the Year. However, there would have been no point of contention from myself as I did have Austin Bushlack as my Offensive Playmaker of the Year. I think that this Devlin team without Austin Bushlack is you know in the bushes themselves honestly and maybe not making a postseason appearance now the postseason game did not go the way that they necessarily wanted it to but i mean austin bushlack left everything he had on the field every single snap this year he improved tremendously from last year as well where he actually threw more interceptions than touchdowns as a junior that was nowhere near the case as he almost tripled his td to int ratio here of 30 to 11 he played a lot smarter and he played really tough as well i mean there's this one play where he runs for 27 yards against faith christian and like literally trucks like three or four different guys and he's not like he's not a huge quarterback he weighs like 190 pounds so you know the things that he was able to accomplish both you know mind wise being able to get those interceptions down from last year being able to get those touchdowns up and willing this team literally willing this team towards the postseason is why Austin Bushlack is going to get his fourth vote for Offensive Playmaker of the Year from myself. Coach V, are you going to make it unanimous or are you going to toss your vote uh, some other way here? Well, first things first, Cody, you can't triple your touchdown to interception ratio because if you went three for one, then if you triple it, then it would be nine for or uh, yeah nine for one or something like that. I, so I meant I meant that I'm, he almost went three to one <laughs> as opposed to last year where it was under one. Just, I think you meant he tripled his touchdowns thrown because it, he has thirty. Well, if it if it was war- <laughs> forget about it, forget, <laughs> bro. You know what I meant. You heard the numbers here. I I set them all. Figure it out yourself. I'm not a mathematician. I'm I'm a sports podcaster. <laughs> Analytics brought to you by Playmakers Corner. Uh, look, <laughs> I can't. I uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, if I went first, I would have. Well, I am still gonna vote for Eden's Walker Martin. You know, great guy, great quarterback. Does a lot for that team. You know, I've seen quarterbacks who have really leaned on the running game, and then the next year, they're not. Like, they're not anywhere near where they were at. Walker has gotten better, and he's not even really a football player. He's a baseball player. He's just that guy. And so I was going to vote for him regardless. Plus, you know, there's a little bit of bias there. But regardless, Austin Bushlack from Devlin, the senior quarterback, is your 2022 Offensive Playmaker of the Year candidate. Got to shout out the Ducks, Coach Vigil, 7v7 squad. Uh, look, I mean, they brought Austin in, you know. I'm pretty sure there are some Devlin coaches on that squad as well, so shout out to all those guys as well that we have met before. And, you know, they really put in work, and Austin got better. Who said 7v7 doesn't work? It obviously does. 
you know and so a huge shout out to them and huge shout out to austin for being dedicated putting in that work we see you and i think you know that was very obvious with all the votes here that has uh, went his way uh for me austin was a close second but you know there you go there so uh so yeah austin bushlack your 2022 offensive playmaker of the year as voted on by the committee as well as the fans here which uh has happened for the second time so far on this show but simon we still got the big kahuna we still got we still got the most valuable playmaker to talk yeah, about you do. do you want to talk about that and talk about some of the finalists here ha, yeah i'd love to and i'm gonna start off with an absolute stud here and somebody that's been you know on our radar for a little bit here in the most valuable playmaker candidate of isaiah elliott from the academy here look there's just not a lot that isaiah elliott couldn't do this year on the season passing for 1670 yards while also throwing 15 passing touchdowns but it's his ability to do damage with his legs as well that made him so dangerous for this academy team having 754 yards and then 15 rushing touchdowns a quarterback that matches their passing touchdowns with the rushing touchdowns at this volume is ludicrous to see but you know like most players on the 2a level he did play both ways and there's no exception here as he notched another 25 tackles as well as three interceptions doing his best receiver impersonation on that secondary here for the academy and you know being a huge reason why this squad was able to make the postseason as well as get the five seed after having to watch from their couch last year that's most valuable playmaker candidate number one isaiah elliott of the academy here coach v who else do we got yeah so remember earlier on when we were talking about newcomer of the year and all that well this guy would have definitely qualified for newcomer of the year i mean if he was in that category i think he for sure would have won it but it is the sophomore out of wellington cash ultravager i'm gonna go with that pronunciation uh pronunciation because that's what that's what gideon has been saying on all of his recap shout out to him uh, because he's covered cash the most out of all of us on the year cash ran for 1038 rushing yards five rushing touchdowns also had 418 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns uh also had 82 passing yards and a passing touchdown and then on defense as well seven interceptions that is near the top of the state here in two-way well near the top of the state in general but definitely one of the leaders in two-way in interceptions three pass deflections and 37 tackles cash has been big time for this wellington team that honestly their future looks really bright with tanner gray and cash leading that backfield and leading that squad moving forward here i mean what a performance by only a sophomore so he has two more big years ahead of him uh definitely somebody that colleges need to be paying attention to and you know maybe some seven on seven teams as well that might want to help put him on so there you go there but cody do you want to talk about another finalist absolutely here and look 
There are only two, including to this point in the season, two undefeated teams in 2A football. And one of those is the Basalt Longhorns here. And doing the most for the Longhorns is the 6'3", 220-pound power back Cooper Crawford here, who has just increased his efficiency from junior to senior year and has increased his impact in so many ways. This year as a senior for Basalt, he's had 161 carries for 1,390 yards and over the course of the regular season here, did break the 100-yard mark in every game except for the very first one here and, you know, kept pouring it on in the postseason. I know that this is based off a regular season, but, you know, it's nice to see that he's able to maintain that level of play while the competition is increasing. But I also want to talk about what he's been able to do on the defensive side of the ball. Over the course of the regular season, he notched 24 tackles, which doesn't sound like too much until you realize that nine of those were for loss, including three in both the Glenwood Springs game and the Aspen game. Glenwood Springs being a fringe, or I'd say like a, a boundary or almost playoff team in 3A, which is a big deal to get a win there. They also beat Rifle, which is a team that has advanced to the second round. They've beaten Moffat County, which is, you know, a playoff team from 2A. So Basalt has played solid teams this year, and Cooper Crawford has been able to get it done against all of those squads here. Three sacks as well, but really just being the core of this offense, being the balance of this offense, averaging eight yards per carry, including absurd numbers like 22 yards per carry against Grand Valley. He's not even playing full games, really, uh, against a lot of these teams, and he's still putting up these absolutely ludicrous numbers. And then when they do need him in close games, he delivers. In that Moffat County game, that would basically be the league title. He had 21 carries for 152 yards against Rifle, another playoff team, 26 carries for 152 yards. Wow, that's really odd. I don't know. 152 yards in back-to-back -back weeks. That's interesting, but uh, getting lost in the analytics of PMC, but uh, not getting lost on the field is Cooper Crawford, who is one of your most viable playmaker candidates. And then the last most valuable playmaker candidate is the senior quarterback out of Florence. That is Levi Paxton. On the year, 1,094 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, only three interceptions. Very efficient there. 440 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns on the year. I mean, look, he was one of the leaders for this Florence squad that was transitioning from 1A to 2A this year, and he did pretty well. You know, and the team did pretty well. He really came on near the end of the season in league where they needed to win games to make the playoffs. You know, they needed to win their league. And that's pretty much what they did, you know, by beating all the teams in front of them and finding a way to get it done. And Levi Paxton had some great performances in some clutch situations uh, at the end of that regular season there. And so a lot of props to him. And Florence, you know, switching from 1A to 2A football this year. So, uh, there you go there. Let's go ahead and talk about votes here. I'll start with our guy, Anthony um, <coughs> Garcia, out of Mile High Prep Report. Excuse me. Um, but he went ahead and voted for Isaiah Elliott out of the Academy 
for MVP. So there you go. That is your first vote. Cody, do you want to talk about the Twitter votes one last time? One more time. That That's all I got. I was thinking about going in depth with that parody, but we're just going to let it fizzle out there and talk about these, you know, votes for most viable playmaker that collected 477 votes here in ascending order. Levi Paxton had 19% of the vote and Isaiah Elliott had 20% of the vote, but it was the athletes here in Cooper Crawford and cash Cooper with 25% of the vote and cash winning with 36% of the vote here. That was the smallest amount of percentage points received by a winner which just shows you how close this most valuable playmaker race was for all of these candidates to be at the low of 19 percent is very impressive all of these guys were very important to their team's success but the fans and of course the wellington fan base who we are very happy to you know be a part of their journey uh showing up here for the most valuable playmaker the mvp and the people have spoken that cash alschwager is that guy Yes, and let's go ahead and talk about Gideon's vote where he got to watch a lot of cash here. But here's what he had to say here. He said, Tuway has a lot of good MVP options. However, out of Levi Paxton, Isaiah Elliott, Cash Altschwager, and Cooper Crawford, I'll have to put my money on cash. Despite the Eagles not making the playoffs, without cash, Altschwager, Wellington will not have won more than two games this season. At this rate, uh, he will have over 3,000 rushing yards at the end of his career and roughly 1,500 receiving yards, which is insane. He is likely to score 30-plus touchdowns in total for his career. And at safety, he was tied for the most interceptions in the entire state with eight. I'll place my bets on cash money any day, and he'll guarantee you a check at the bank. And I absolutely have to agree with that. Um, Gideon once <laughs> described picking cash for MVP as a Russell Westbrook vote. And so, Cody, speaking of Russell Westbrook, do you want to go ahead and talk about your vote? It's because he's a Westbrook stand, that's why. Okay, well, first off, you don't need to drag me like that on the episode. I didn't drag you. Let I me, just said you're a Westbrook stand, so if you feel me, like you're getting dragged... Let me just put out there that I cannot defend the way he's been playing these past two seasons, all right? So I'm not one of those guys. But, uh, you know, from from Gideon's standpoint, and as somebody who, you know, is an OKC fan, I can appreciate that argument for cash, and I can echo that sentiment as well. Look, it's very, very rare for me to vote for a player of a team that didn't quite make the postseason. Like, my my instinct is screaming Cooper Crawford here. But look, first off, we can actually see cash play. Um, so, hey, Basalt, try getting, like, literally any ounce of film out. But in addition to that, the thing about the most valuable playmaker, or at least in this debate for me, is there's literally nothing that Cash couldn't do. Hey, Cash, let's go ahead and run this play. All right, Coach, I'll run the ball for you. Hey, Cash, go run this route. Catch it, turn it up. Oh, yeah, Coach, I'll run that route for you. I'll score that touchdown through the air. Hey, Cash, uh, you think that you could uh, warm up the old arm, throw a touchdown for us maybe? Sure, Coach. 
hey, Cash, I need you to collect seven interceptions on defense and literally not allow the other team to score at all. Oh, yeah, coach. I, that's every day. This guy lives, breathes, sleeps, wakes up, and just dominates in every facet of the game. And, you know, like, like Gideon said, actually gives Wellington a chance in any of the games that they are in. And with cash and experience moving forward, they, you know, this Wellington team has a lot of promise and the sun is shining bright on what could be the Wellington and cash empire here in the future. So I'm going to cash my vote in for cash, cash for cash. <laughs> And, I mean, it's basically already over, but I'm going to also vote for Cash Altschwager as well. I mean, he's a stud. By the way, he's been doing all of this as a sophomore. And so, as it stands right now in, well, I guess in the two years, <laughs> in the two years that we have done PMC End of the Year Awards, he is our youngest MVP, uh, class-wise, as a sophomore. So, just keep that in mind. He's the first underclassman to win it, and I think it's a very well-deserved. I mean, look, it is hard to go play on varsity as an underclassman. It's even harder to do that when your team hasn't played on varsity beforehand, you know, in other seasons. You know, and so you're kind of just putting it together as you go here, really. Um, and they're going to learn from it, and they're going to get better. I mean, I love the duo of Cash Altschwager. I think he's an absolutely absolute star and tanner gray i think tanner gray is somebody that you know you gotta look out for as well as he gets better it's gonna open up opportunities for cash and so you know the the it's really bright you know the future is really bright is what i'm trying to say for wellington and uh shout out to those guys up there we are really happy that we got to cover them when we could and will not see them in their first year uh i mean at least in present day football wise uh so there you go and um yeah i mean your mvp is the sophomore out of wellington cash altschwager so yeah so let's go ahead and run that back here coach v the newcomer of the year went to Timnit's very own Vince Hochhalter. The defensive playmaker of the year, as decided by your very own tiebreaker, you as in Coach V, was Morgan Trebet of Eaton. For offensive playmaker of the year, it was almost a unanimous, almost a unanimous cashing in of D. Evelyn's very own Austin Bushlack. And for most valuable playmaker, you, the fans here who actually aligned with us 75% of the time as far as overall winners, do it again with Cash Altschwager here. There you go there. Congrats to all those great players. Best of luck to some of those players that are still playing and whatnot. But real quick, let's go ahead and talk about our all-playmaker list. Uh, Cody, do you want to actually explain our all playmaker list what it takes to get on it requirements and then the position limits we have on this thing because it's not quite like our well not our but chassis all state team but it's similar to that yeah i absolutely want to talk about this because the thing that i feel like gives our playmaker all playmaker team such legitimacy is the position not only limits but requirements as well right where we're not gonna have you know like seven running backs on here 
and then one cornerback or something ridiculous that we have witnessed here. So for our all playmaker teams on the offensive side of the ball, we have two quarterbacks, two running backs, three wide receivers, a single tight end, and then two tackles and three interior offensive linemen. This could be three guards, this could be two centers and a guard, or a combination of that kind. Once you hop over to the defensive side of the ball here, we choose two interior defensive linemen, two edge rushers, two linebackers, three cornerbacks that mirror those three wide receivers, two safeties, and then we also have kicker, punter, and athlete all in consideration here. Lots of really great kickers in this state, if you couldn't tell by the Colorado presence in the NFL, but I digress a little bit. Look, we take a look at the film, we take a look at the stats, much like we do with our, you know, end of the year awards, but I think that the big difference here is that, you know, we have lists of like multiple candidates, three or four per position, and then we see how dominant are you at that position, and then it also gives us a chance for athletes, kind of like Cash, to be like, okay, you know, how much do they do on both sides of the ball? Are they going to be our athlete? And it allows for a rotation and for opportunities for more guys to be mentioned here. Athlete is like the one spot where, you know, we would have mentioned one player on both sides of the ball, but we do try and avoid that at all costs for maximum amount of opportunity to put these players on, but also, you know, kind of reflecting where we think they could possibly go in the future. And it's like, okay, you know, this guy, this happens at line, especially probably the most. This guy is dominant at D tackle and offensive guard. Which do we see them playing more? Well, yeah, I think that they're a lot better on the defensive side of the ball, looking at their technique and whatnot. And so my, we talk about this, both Gideon, Coach V and myself to decide on these all playmaker teams and, you know, kind of like, have a conversation of sorts uh, throughout our entire days. Hey guys, I don't know if you know this fans, but we literally talk about PMC literally all day, every single day. Um, whenever we get to our phones and have those text conversations. And then obviously, you know, over the phone, whether we're calling or doing anything like that, or when we're going to see games as well, we've had these discussions all year. So we've put a lot of time and thought into this. And that is what makes up our all playmaker lists. Unless I'm missing something, Coach V. Well, technically, we talk about the players and teams, not our own podcast, which we do, you know, but we, we try to talk yeah, about yeah. players and teams and programs and coaches and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, I'm just we're just, I'm just going to leave that one. That's that was good, though. Yeah, no, we can leave it there. All right. Uh, also, by the way, eight games is kind of what. We set it at, if you get close to it or whatever, for some people, we might make some exceptions, but if you've played eight games at least, then that's kind of what it takes to make the team. I feel like a big part of making the all-playmaker team is, I mean, showing up and actually playing and being healthy and whatnot. You know, what you did last season doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to make it this season. And so, uh, real quick, Cody, do you want to just go... Uh, or I could do this, actually, but just go down the line and talk about our selections here. Uh, just who made it, and then we could react to it real quick. Yes. Okay. Here, I Because we, we have them ready this week. We do. We do. Um, but I could go ahead and uh, do that since you explained that intro there. But at quarterback, the two that we're going with is, uh, this, they're both seniors, and it's Devlin's Austin Bushlack, uh, Austin Bushlack and... 
Edens, Walker Martin. Then at running back, this one was kind of hard here, but we decided to go with Ethan Aragundi from TCA and Cooper Crawford from Basalt. So there you go. Then our three receivers, uh, we had to go with the Derek Rail, I want to say, from the Academy, Zach Grable from Eden, and then Gabe Jackson. I believe he was the lead receiver for Devlin. And then that tight end, we only had one. Uh, well, I mean, we're always only going to have one tight end here. But we went with Josiah Cornwell from Florence here. Uh, it was between him and Tate Smith. I, we just felt like Josiah did a little bit more for that offense. Maybe meant a little bit more there. Kind of as a, one of the primary receivers. Then our offensive tackle, we have two here. Uh, we went with Levi Johnson, one of the tackles for TCA. And then Braden Dowling from Manitou Springs. Kind of in, you know, a sleeper pick, I would say. he Braden probably would have made either offensive tackle or defensive tackle. He's good at both. You know, and he was one of the low, one of the lone bright spots for that Manitou Springs team, and so we respect it. Went with it there. Then our three interior linemen, guard, centers is Tanner Ride from TCA, Gunner Bassetti, that's from Florence, and then Landon Stevens. He is the center, I believe, for Bennett. Obviously, they had a great run game over there. Then on defense, the two defensive tackles, we have is Dakota Montgomery from TCA. We felt like the film didn't lie, and he just did a really good job there. So there you go. And then Tucker Johnson from Delta. So those are your defensive tackles uh, slash interior defensive linemen. And then edge rushers. This could mean outside linebackers, defensive end, whatever. As long as they mostly operate on that edge. We have Delta's Connor Workman and Eden's Morgan Trebet. Then at linebacker, this was another close one, but we decided to go with the Academy's Corbin Miller and Eden's Ryder True. And then at cornerback, we have Eden's, well, two of Eden's corners, Austin Martinez and Trent Salberg. And then we have TCA's Aaron Johnson. He's on that list. Then our two safeties is Lamar's Brendan Sneller and Florence's Gage Goodall. Uh, I believe that's how you say that. And then our athlete, which, you know, goes to the guy that plays both ways and is real versatile, is Cash Altschwager. So there you go. Oh, and then special teams. Special teams uh, kicker, we have TCA's Evan Lapore. Uh, literally, I believe he's 53 for 53 on the year which is insane so there you go and then we have zach grable who not only takes up kicker but punter as well uh i believe gideon said zach grable was like a leader in the country in punting yards uh or yards per punt so there you go there but uh Cody, and that team doesn't even punt that much they don't so it's like, really rare <laughs> it's it's pretty rare he's just he's just like that he is he's a great <laughs> athlete um didn't put him at the athlete position. I feel like that was obviously for cash, but you know, still a great athlete. Cody, what do you think about this all playmaker list? Just looking at it from top to bottom here. I mean, you heard a lot of familiar names as you tune into the episode, as far as, you know, guys who were candidates for end of the year awards more often than not found themselves in the all playmaker teams, or at least in the conversation, you know, Austin Bushlack, Walker Martin, both offensive playmaker of the year kind of guys at running back, Ethan Aragundi, Cooper Crawford, you know, offensive playmaker of the year slash most viable playmaker kind of guys. So, you know, that's not uncommon as, as for offensive line. I definitely think that, you know, 
it is one of the harder positions to evaluate here but i think that we have a pretty solid system honestly as far as you know keeping our ear to the ground knowing the guys who are to look out for in the very first place but also you know pretty uh easy uh you know deduction hey if a team runs and passes the ball very well their line is probably decent so we looked through a lot of different options i would say uh, as far as teams that did have film out which if you don't have film out what are you doing get your film out um but you know that was that's very fun and it's also very interesting at least on this 2a level and it's going to happen again on the 3a level and then maybe a little bit less on 4a and 5a but a lot of these guys play both ways and you know where do they kind of belong because tucker johnson he's also an offensive lineman dakota montgomery is also an offensive so you know tanner um i don't is it pronounced eyed 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 yeah tanner eyed uh who did win playmaker of the week make sure to listen to episode 211 for the reasoning on that but uh you know tanner he's somebody who literally won playmaker of the week on the defensive side of the ball but over the course of the season, we analyzed him and decided to put him at guard. So, you know, there's lots of thought put into this. There's lots of film to look at. There's numbers to look at here. But, I mean, I'd say once you get to the defensive side of the ball, it's pretty obvious that, you know, outside of, like, Brendan Sneller, the top teams have the top defenses in 2A, and that's where a lot of these all-playmaker guys are going to come from. Um, and just being very versatile in your style of play is another thing that significantly helps you. No surprises with Connor Workman, Morgan Trebet, both depoy candidates, obviously. And, you know, but once again, Corbin Miller in that conversation. Uh, linebacker was a very interesting conversation, honestly, just looking at guys who had a lot of tackles, had forced fumbles, had interceptions, and seeing where we were going to land. The minimum eight game here definitely played a bit of a role. But uh, I think it's a good decision to go with that eight game. You have to play almost 100% of the season um, to be considered here. So, you know, um, that's a good conversation. And then the secondary, um, very solid on this classification of football and a little bit easier to sort out than 1A uh, due to the slightly increased passing of the 2A level of football. And then some of the best special teamers that we will probably have through any level of classification here uh, belong on the 2A level. Yes, absolutely agreed. Um, yeah, line was really difficult because I feel like, I don't know, just for some reason on this level, not a lot of people like putting out their film uh, in a timely manner, that is. And I get it, you know, obviously the season's going on. But, you know, hey, it helps with recruitment. And, I mean, there's some big guys out here. Levi Johnson's a big boy over for TCA, you know, and so... It doesn't hurt ever putting out your film on time. I'm just going to say that. And if you want to send us your film like for next year or if you want us to repost it, go for it. You know, I, I would encourage that because we have repost. I mean, we pretty much repost everyone that send us their film. Like if they tweet it on Twitter uh, and then, you know, tag us or they send us that post, that's an automatic repost. If they put it on their Instagram, then we'll put it on our story and repost it. I mean, we're really open to that because we want to get more names out there. If we could get it out there for these lower classifications, 1A, 2A, uh, 3A in some ways, then it's going to be easier for everyone, you know? And so, uh, there you go there. Be, be good about that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's pretty obvious. I mean, the best team's got the best players, right? I don't think there's really a team in 2A where, you know, they're so well coached that nobody really stands out, you know, and, and they're all kind of the same. Like, no, there's definitely teams that have strengths for a reason, you know. There's a reason why TCA has a couple of linemen on here. It's because they're dominant up front. Uh, there's a reason why Eden has a bunch of defensive players on here. That's because they're well-coached and have arguably the best defense uh, in all that. And so there's a reason behind all of it. And there were a lot of close... I mean, there are a lot of players that would have made this list, and I'm sure there are players that feel like they should have made it. Nothing against them. We still feel like they're good prospects and whatnot. Um, and just because you do make the all-playmaker list doesn't necessarily affect how we might view you, view you as a prospect on the next level or how colleges might view you as a prospect on the next level. We just want to highlight the guys who really did well this season and, uh, you know, played great for their squads and communities so yeah um but uh yeah i don't really have too much more to say here i'm pretty sure that's it cody do you have anything you want to add on um no i just uh continue to uh stay tuned to our episodes and listen to coach v on where to find those and all of our all of our other content Yes, so social media, go ahead and give us a follow there. We appreciate it. That's at Playmakers Corner on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. TikTok is where we post a bunch of highlights of games to go to and, you know, other stuff that we be doing for the podcast as well. So look out for that. Uh, obviously, you want to follow us on social media because we do put out, you know, we, we announce when polls are up and running usually it'll be on fridays and so be on the lookout for that on our twitter um but basically on all of our social medias there will be a link to our twitter whether it's in our bio or in those posts or whatever so there you go there if you want to be active and then also subscribe to us on youtube and twitch at playmakers corner uh on youtube we'll be posting i mean full episodes on there if it's easier for you to listen and then on twitch i mean we'll i'm sure we'll get back to live streaming eventually so there you go but uh yeah i don't think there's anything else here yeah i don't think there's anything else so uh i've been one of your co-hosts simon Voyetos. I've been the other one, Cody Stoffer, and bye. We will see you next week.